Praise the Lord. Amen. It's good to be in church tonight. It's good to see some faces back in church. Amen. I believe God's healing us. Amen. He's strengthening us. Bringing us, going to bring us all back together once again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Amen. Wherever you're at across the town. Amen. It's church time. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen, amen. It's good to be in church tonight. Oh, I'm thankful that God blessed us, that he's helped us through this thus far. and He's going to take us all the way. Amen. Let's spend these few minutes, last few minutes in prayer before service begins. Let's bind together and ask that God would continue to heal us, continue to strengthen us. And that he would talk to our hearts tonight, that he would move into this house and to all the houses across the town as we worship him tonight. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord God, that you're here in this house, Lord. God, I thank you for the opportunity to serve you, Lord God. I praise you and I lift you up, Jesus. You are so worthy of all the praise. All the glory belongs to you, Jesus. There is nobody like you, God. Oh, I'm thankful, God, for your anointing that breaks every yoke and every chain, oh God. I worship you. Lord, let your glory fill this house tonight, God. Lord, as we worship you and as we praise you tonight, God, come down, move in our midst, Lord. Dwell among us tonight, Jesus. We need your glory tonight, God. Oh, touch us tonight, God, as we worship you in spirit and in truth, God. Oh, you see every need, oh God, every person, wherever they're at, God. I rebuke sickness in the name of Jesus. Lord, by your stripes we were healed. I believe your word is true. Lord, I've seen you do it again and again, oh God, and I pray that you would do it right now, God. In Jesus' name, I thank you for your healing touch. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do tonight, Lord. Anoint the preacher to preach the word, oh God. Lord, let your anointing be upon the saints to receive the word tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I thank you for doing it tonight. Thank you for renewing us. Lord, I believe you can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. I ask that you would do it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray. I thank you, God. I worship you. I praise you and I lift you up, God. There's nobody greater than you. Lord, there's none wiser, none stronger, God. You're the greatest God. You're the only God. You're the only one true living God. We worship you and praise you tonight, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus. And what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear And what a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer And oh what peace we often forfeit And oh, what needless pain we bear All because we do not carry Everything to God in prayer and have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Just take it to the Lord in prayer and can we find a friend so faithful 
sorrow share and Jesus knows our every weakness just take it to the Lord in prayer and are we weak and heavy A load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise and forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer And in His arms He'll shield and take thee Thou wilt find us all this there Verse 1 again, help me sing it And what a friend we have in Jesus our sins and griefs to bear and what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer and oh what peace we often forfeit and oh what needless pain we bear all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer Amen. I'm thankful that we have a friend in Jesus. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's always right there. No matter the day, no matter the hour. I'm thankful that Jesus is always right by my side. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what a fellowship. What a joy divine. Being on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms I'm leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarm I'm leaning, oh leaning I'm leaning on the everlasting arms and oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure. All along, I'm leaning, holy, leaning on the everlasting. And what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. On the everlasting arms, I'm leaning, holy, safe and secure from all along. I'm leaning, holy, 
everlasting arms I'm leaning, oh leaning I'm safe and secure from all alarm Everlasting arms And what a fellowship What a joy divine Leaning on the everlasting arms What a blessedness What a peace is mine Leaning on the everlasting arms From all alarms, I'm leaning, leaning. I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day. On the everlasting arms, I'm leaning, holy, safe and secure from all along. I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning. Secure from all along. Amen. Amen. on the everlasting arms. And what have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near I'm leaning on the everlasting arms leaning leaning safe and secure from all along I'm leaning leaning I'm leaning on the everlasting arms I'm leaning From all along, I'm leaning, leaning, I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all along. Amen. I'm thankful that I can lean on Jesus. When I don't know who else to turn to, I know that Jesus is going to be right there. He's my healer. He's my salvation. He's my strength. He's my song. Jesus, you're my joy. You're my peace and my refuge, oh God. Jesus, I'll trust in you, God. Hallelujah to your great name. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a Wednesday night offering. Amen. For all those that didn't have an opportunity to give on Sunday. Amen. Give you opportunity to give to the Lord tonight. Amen. I'm thankful that I can worship the Lord in my giving. Amen. Pray for the offering, Brother Smith. And God has really been good to me. God has really been good to me. Looking back, I realize where I could be. God has really been good to me. God, you really have been good 
been good to you. Amen. He's good to me all the time. Amen. He's given me breath in my body. He's given me a purpose. Amen. My purpose is to worship God. Amen. That's our purpose. Amen. It does us good to always remember that. Amen. If you don't have a reason for living, amen, just think God created you for the specific purpose to worship Him. Amen. And that's quite incredible to think about that God in all of his glory and all the beautiful things that he created it wasn't quite enough for him so he created man in his own image a man with a mind with a heart that could decide whether to do right or wrong amen but I'm thankful tonight that there's a church full of people that have decided to do right and they've decided to worship God. Amen. God's been good to us. Amen. Brother Manchie's going to come tonight. Bring the word of the Lord to us. Amen. How many's going to get with them? Amen. Give them your undivided attention. Put all the distractions aside. Amen. Sometimes I know it's hard to do at home. But I believe that if we open our hearts. And we'll open our minds and allow God to talk to us tonight. I believe that we'll hear a word from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come preach the word to us tonight, Brother Manchin. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's all just take a moment here and welcome God into this house. Welcome God into our house at home, wherever you're at. Just take a moment and say, I love you, Jesus. I want to hear from you tonight, God. Oh, there's nothing else I want to do, Lord, but I want to hear from you, God. I need you to work in my life, Lord. I need strengthening tonight, God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. You're an awesome God. You're a mighty God. We love you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, it's good to be back in church again. I'm definitely glad I'm not in quarantine anymore. Being sick is bad enough, and being stuck at home is even worse. I, I couldn't quite handle that for very long. When I finally got out of the house, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let's get out of the house. But, but I'm definitely glad to be here tonight. I want to give honor to my pastor in his absence. I pray God gives him a speedy 100% recovery. And I pray that God gives everybody a speedy 100% recovery. It, it's, it's hard even when you're out of your quarantine. I know I went back to work Monday, and I wasn't quite ready to be working quite that hard. And I regretted what I did Monday. I wasn't feeling good again on Tuesday. But we're here tonight. We'll all be back together again soon. Amen. If you'd open up your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, fairly common scripture that we've, we've heard quite a bit. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. If you put your Bibles down and talk to God one more time, Lord, please put this word down in our hearts, God, that we might not sin against thee. Help us, Lord, to receive your word with gladness tonight, God. Help us to focus our hearts and our minds in one accord wherever we may be, Lord. Oh, help us tonight, God. We love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We magnify your name above every other name, God. There's nothing as great as you. We love you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And you may be seated. I, I felt God put the seed for this, this lesson in my heart over a week ago, actually, before all this whole corona mess started. I, I felt this in my heart, and I thought, you know, that, that's probably going to, I know God wants me to teach this, so that, that's probably going to be what I teach on Sunday for Sunday school. And so I was all prepared to teach this to my Sunday school class, and then everything happened. Sunday school got canceled, and I said, well, so much for that idea. I guess I'll save it for another day. And then Sunday afternoon, pastor called and said, hey, I want you to teach Bible study on Wednesday night. And I said, there you go. That's what it's for. So I, I put this together and prayed about it, and I added to it a little bit because what I had for Sunday school, obviously, when you're, when you're teaching kids, is a little bit different than when you're teaching everybody. But the basic of this is what God gave me over a week ago. And so we look at the scripture here, Philippians chapter 3 and 13, and this is a very familiar scripture. Like I've said before, we've all heard the scripture a million times, and we've, we go a million directions with the scripture here tonight. But the thing that struck out to me the most about this scripture is it says, I count, my, count not myself to have apprehended. But there's one thing I do. Everybody hold up one finger. One finger. This one thing I do. And then he mentions three things. He says, this one thing I do. I forget that stuff. I reach forward to this stuff. And I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's three things. And so was Paul one of those five more minute preachers? He's almost done. He says, just five more minutes and I'll be done. And five minutes comes and goes. Just five more minutes and I'll be done. It comes and goes. No, that's, that's not. That's not what Paul was saying there. He was, he was a linguistic expert, and he's regarded as one of the greatest authors of all time, even by uh, secular, sci- uh, not scientists, but whoever it is that studies words and poetry and writings and that sort of stuff. The people that don't believe in God say that Paul is one of the greatest authors of all time. And so I guarantee you, if he didn't mean what he said when he wrote that, he would have thrown that scroll away, and he would have wrote it again. He wouldn't have just wrote that and be like, ah, good enough, because good enough was not good enough for Paul. He was an expert in his field. He was very, very well educated. And so what was he saying here when he says this one thing I do, and then he mentions three things? It's because it's a three-step process to accomplish that one thing. Same thing as the plan of salvation. Obviously, we think of salvation as one thing, right? But in order to obtain salvation, there's a whole bunch of things we have to do. But then the plan of salvation in Acts 2.38, there's three things right there that we have to repent of our sins. We baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and we shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We can't just repent and never get baptized. We don't have salvation at that point in time. We can't, we can't get baptized without repenting because at that point in time, all we did was get wet. We didn't, if we ever, ever have any intention of repenting and we just get baptized to make everybody else happy, that's, that's not what we do. You don't have salvation. You have to do all three to obtain salvation. So it's the same thing here. It's a three-step process. And so first, the first thing in this thing here is we have to forget those things which are before us, things that happened in the past, things that are behind. We have to leave those things there. We all have things that we've said or done, right? Has anybody in here ever said or done something that you regretted either immediately or later on? Every single person. How many have done that multiple times? Every single person. How many have done that more times? How many of you have ever woken up in the middle of the night and remembered something dumb you did 6, 7, 10, 15 years ago? (laughs) The other night I woke up in the middle of the night and I remembered something I did in high school. And that's getting quite a ways back there behind me now. And... It, just, it cracked me up just thinking, like, why in the world does that matter to me right now in the middle of the night? I want to sleep, not think about that. But we have to forget those things which are behind us and those things that we've done. And because I guarantee you, you're going to do more things that you regret. It, it's just part of human nature. We, we don't always think or think things through. We, sometimes we just don't know better and we do things that we regret later on. And so we have to forget those things and say, you know what? Yeah, I messed up. 
yeah, I messed up, I did this wrong, maybe it was big, maybe it was small, whatever it was, but if you've repented of it, if it was a sin, if it wasn't a sin, if it was just something bad you did that had some consequences, even if it wasn't sinful bad, but you just leave it in the past, you're like, you know what, it was a stepping stone, I'm going to leave that there. But when I was studying the scripture out, it goes a little bit deeper than that. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, and what he's talking about there is leaving the past behind. It's talking about leaving sometimes our successes and our, our victories behind as well. And now, now hear me out on this. I'm not saying we should just disregard success and victories and that sort of stuff. But how easy is it for us to stop and say, you know what? I did a really good thing five years ago. That's pretty cool. And then we don't try to do anything else. And, well, I saw a miracle happen ten years ago. That was pretty cool. And then we never are interested in seeing any more miracles. That was a great thing that happened. I'm not... I'm not uh, disacknowledging that. I'm not disavowing that, but it was a great thing. But I want to see more great things in the future. I don't want her to stay there. And so leaving stuff behind doesn't mean that you just literally pretend it never happened and that it doesn't exist. When you leave stuff behind, whether it was good or bad, that means you acknowledge it and you say, yes, this is a stepping stone, but I'm going to keep going forward. I'm not going to stay where I'm at now. I'm not going to stay back there. I'm going to keep marching forward. And we can use those as lessons, lessons from our past to help us in the future, but we just can't stay there. So we leave those things behind, and we focus on the things which are before, is what he says. Now, that word before is a really confusing English word, because in the English language, the word before has two meanings, and they're exact opposites of each other, which is crazy to me. It's the exact same word, and one before means that this pulpit was made before I was ever born. Things like that. It happened before. It happened in the past. It happened a long time ago. Maybe it happened yesterday. Whatever it was, it happened before. And obviously Paul wasn't talking about past here because he already mentioned the past in the first part of the scripture. So now he's talking about the other definition of before, which means in front of, in the future. And so now this pulpit may have been made before I was born, but now this pulpit is before me. It's right here in front of me. And there's other examples of this. There's uh, before the throne. Uh, before man, when you read the Bible, these are all scriptures from the Bible, uh, right in front of, it's, it's things right in front of you. In the context of this scripture, Paul's not talking about things that are way off in the future. When he says reaching forth unto those things which are before, he's talking about stuff that's right here, right now, right in front of him when he says that. He's not talking about what's going on a long ways down the road. He gets to that later, but right now he's talking about what's right in front of him, what's in his immediate future. And so when we put all this context together and we add in verse 14, to verse 13 here, it says, Paul is pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. We see here that Paul is saying that we have our ultimate goal. Verse 14 is the ultimate goal that Paul has set. That's his number one priority is that. But in order to get that, he's got to first make sure that he's not focusing on the past and that he's reaching for the things that are right in front of him. And so it's a step-by-step -step process to get to the ultimate goal. If we worry about everything in our past and we worry about things way in the future, we can't focus on the here and now, and so it's hard to get to the future. The future's coming whether you want it or not. The question is, will you be prepared? And you can't be prepared if all you're doing, if you're ignoring everything around you now. And so we can't just live three, just as we can't live three months ago, nobody in here can go back in time. If time travel was somehow possible all of a sudden and you went back in time three months ago, you would appear in the middle of outer space because the earth was not right here three months ago. The earth is spinning in circles. The solar system is spinning in circles around the center of the galaxy. And it just Everything is spinning. Everything is constantly moving and going forward in the solar system. And so if you try to go back in time, you're going to suffocate really fast if it was possible even. And so that's why, one reason of many why it's not possible. But just as we can't live and go back in time three months ago, we can't live three months from now either. We can't do either one. We live right here, right now. We live in this exact moment. God is eternal. God was yesterday, today, and forever, but you and I are not God. And so I, I sometimes struggle with this because I'm a planner and a worrier, and I, I try not to be. I try to be pretty cool, calm, and collected, but when you get called on a Sunday afternoon and said and told that you're teaching Bible study on Wednesday night, sometimes... I start worrying about, not worrying in a bad way, but like that's what's on my mind. That's what I'm focused on. And in the context of preaching and teaching and that sort of stuff, that's probably a good thing. Like you want that to be what's on your heart. And that way you can be prepared and you can follow the mind of God on that, on whatever topic God gives you. And, and so that's all good 
But there came a couple times earlier this week when I was trying to focus on something, and I had to stop and say, okay, Silas, stop and focus on what you're doing right now. Get this done, and you can worry about other stuff later on. You've got to focus. And sometimes it's really hard to focus because the brain can't not think of things. I know that's bad English, but the brain can't not think of things. And I have an example to prove it. Everybody here, everybody at home, don't think of an elephant. What did you just think of? Most of you probably thought of an elephant. Now, you may have switched it real quick. and be like, no, not an elephant. Bear, 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 bear. Lion, whatever. But for a split second, I, I, I'm pretty sure most people thought of an elephant for just a split second even, if nothing else, because I told you not to do it, but you did it anyway because that's what your brain does. When you say don't do something, when we say stop worrying about tomorrow, our brain automatically starts worrying about tomorrow. And we have to say, no, don't, don't, don't do that. And your brain's like, don't do what? Oh, this? Okay, okay, this, this? I'm like, no, don't. And you have to corral your thoughts sometimes. And that's why they say when you're teaching young children things, never tell your kids, don't climb on the counter. Don't, and it's hard. I'm guilty of telling my kids, don't do this, don't do that. But they say, don't tell your kids. Now, they're telling adults, don't do this. But for adults, it's a little bit different. But for kids, they're just learning. They say, don't tell them that. Don't say, don't climb on the counter. Instead, show them what they should do instead. When they need something out of the cupboard, they come ask mom or dad. And you show them what they should do instead because that way their brain thinks of that rather than what they're not supposed to do. Because if their brain's thinking of what they're not supposed to do, they're probably going to do it anyway. Even though they know they're not supposed to do it. And we, we tell our kids, I tell my kids, why did you do that? And it's because that was what was on their brain. And so they don't always comprehend and so they just do it. And it's the same way with us sometimes. It's hard to not think of things when your brain is constantly thinking of those things. So Paul says, you've got to focus on what's right here, right in front of you, right now. Don't focus on that stuff back there. You've got to grab your brain, and you've got to train it on what's right in front of you, right here, right now. Focus on this. You've got your ultimate goal. You've set your goal. You know what you want to accomplish, but don't focus on that either. Focus on the right here and right now. And that's what Paul is saying in the scripture. That's why it's one thing that Paul does here. All these three things put together to accomplish one thing. And so what is our ultimate goal? What is the ultimate thing that we want to do? Because we have to focus on what's right in front of us if we want to reach that ultimate goal. But in order to do that, we have to have a goal. They always say if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You have to have a plan in action. You have to have a goal if you ever want to accomplish that goal. And so what is our ultimate goal? Now, obviously, I'm sure most of us, our ultimate goal is, is we want to make it to heaven, right? We all want to go to heaven. We all want to be saved. And that's our ultimate goal. And so let's put all this that we just talked about into context and into practice under that context. I mean, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold. Now is the day of salvation. Now, does this mean that salvation happened today and now we don't ever have to worry about it again? No, it doesn't mean that. Does it mean that we're once saved, always saved? No, that's not what this means at all. It's saying today is the day of salvation. It doesn't say yesterday was the day of salvation. And you say, well, I got the Holy Ghost yesterday, so that means yesterday was the day of salvation. When yesterday was still today, it was the day of salvation, but yesterday is not today. Today is the salvation. You have to be renewed in the Holy Ghost again today. And sometimes it can kind of get confusing when you're talking about yesterday was today, but and tomorrow will be today, but, and it kind of rattles your brain a little bit, and so that's why you just don't worry about it and say, okay, today is today, and that's all that matters. And so salvation is a daily thing. If we want to reach our ultimate goal of having salva eternal salvation, being saved saved all the way across the finish line in heaven, we have to have a daily walk with God and make our calling and election sure. We can't. I got the Holy Ghost a little over 11 years ago now on a late watch night service right here at the altar. That was a little over 11 years ago, and that was an awesome experience. I can still remember it pretty well in detail. I, can remember, I can't really remember what else was going on around me, but I just remember receiving the Holy Ghost. It was an awesome experience. I'll never forget that. But I can't live, <clears throat> excuse me, this is given out, but I can't live in that forever. I can't just constantly dwell on that and be like, okay, cool, that happened, that was an awesome thing, and now I don't have to do anything else. No, it's a daily walk with God. That was one day, and then time went on, and now today is here, and so I have to make sure today 
I'm just as full of the Holy Ghost as I was then if I want to accomplish my ultimate goal of making it to heaven. And so we can't live in the previous salvation like I mentioned before. We have to make sure we're ready every day just in case that is the day. You just never know when the the final day is going to be. And so that's why you live each day as if it could be the last, whether God takes us home through the rapture or another way. You have to be prepared just in case. But yet you don't just sit there at home and do nothing else and say, yep, today's probably going to be the day, might be the day, so I'm not going to do anything else. Because at that point in time, you're trying to predict the future again, and you can't do that. You have to live in the day. Just a moment, please. Let me get a drink. My voice is not recovered 100%. I am still struggling with it. It's a little bit dry. So what are some other goals? And let's switch over to the carnal for here just for just a moment because everybody knows we live in a carnal world. If you, if you feel like pinching yourself, go ahead. I'm not going to tell you to do it, but if you forgot that you're still flesh and bone, you might just pinch yourself or remind yourself. But let's say your goal is you want to make good money at your job. That's a good goal. That's a good goal to have. I don't believe in getting a job for minimum wage and just be like, yep, good enough for me, and just sit there and never do anything else and never try to grow, never try to, to increase that, never try to do anything. Obviously, you want to stay in the will of God, but at the same time, you've got to, you can't just stay there. And at the same time, we don't just turn 18 and all of a sudden become the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. That doesn't, doesn't work like that. We all see these guys that have these $50 million yachts and stuff like that. And we're like, boy, it'd be cool to have that kind of money to where you could just go out and buy a Lamborghini for each day of the week, you know. And we all, everybody thinks that would be cool and all in it, but those people get tired of their money at some point in time and they get bored with it just as we get bored with having $10, you know. They get bored with having millions. So in the end of the day, that doesn't do them a whole lot of good. But at the same time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't squawk at a million dollars if somebody wanted to give it to me. But we don't just wake up one day and have a job making a million dollars. I mean, uh, to have a job making a million dollars, you, you're going to have to make some sacrifices, honestly. And it's probably not good sacrifices. But let's say you want to have just a good, steady-paying job that you can support your family, have a little bit of money left over to where you can support the, the house of God, and you can see the kingdom of God go forward, and you have money left over for vacation. You want to you want to be you want to be okay to where you don't have to stress about it. In order to get to that point, there's a process, and it involves this horrible, horrible word, this four-letter word, W O R K. Involves work. You have to work to get to that point. You got to start somewhere and learn how to work. Number one, if you never learn how to work, whether it be physical work, mental work, keyboard work, whatever it is, you've got to learn how to work. Then you've got to learn how to be on time every day. You got to learn how to be on time every day. It's not just a one time. Yeah, I showed up to work on time the first day I had my job and then I was late every day after that. Now you've got to be on work on time every day. Now I joke around and say that I don't have that that thing in my life because I can show up to work an hour late and it's not that big of a deal. I try not to do that. But at the same time, there are things required of me that I have to get done. So I may not have a time clock to clock in on, but I still have responsibilities. And we have to learn to do what we're told every day. Sometimes we get told to do the same thing every day, and it gets really monotonous. But that's what we're told to do. And if you ever want to get anywhere, you have to learn how to do that. Then you can learn how to be more productive and how you can get more done. And then you can Mike keeps cutting out on me. Then you can help learn how to help lead others. You can learn how to help others accomplish their goals and their daily tasks. You can learn how to manage time and resources. And you keep learning these things and you keep adding them to your repertoire. And eventually, you're the head and not the tail. But you don't start out as the head. You've you got to start out somewhere at the bottom. And you've got to work your way up. And you've got to learn every day how to increase and how to do better at that job. We can't live in the past when we were the gopher that got to go for this and go for that and go for this and go for that all the time. Sometimes we, we think that would be great to be that again because it was so simple, so easy. But we can't just daydream and think, oh, boy, if I was the manager, I could do this and I could do that. If you're in between somewhere, you got to say, okay, this is what I am today. This is my job position today, and I'm going to do the best I can today, and I'm going to accomplish as much as I can today. And then tomorrow, I'll do the same thing again, and we'll just worry about it one day at a time. And that's the way it works in the carnal at a job. And one last example here is I want to be the best Bible study teacher that I can be. Who in here wants to be a good Bible study teacher? The absolute best you can be. Everybody wants to 
be able to help somebody. I think there's something inside each and every person out there. I, I, people that don't want to help anybody ever, I, I wonder about those people. I wonder what happened in their life to get them to that point. Are they bitter or, or what happened? But some of us may not want to help a whole lot, but everybody has that ingrained in them. That's why a lot of times panhandlers can be very successful is because they, they prey on that, that people want to help out someone in need. And those that are actually in need, I, I pray for them and I try to help them. But everybody wants to help somebody for the most part. And so teaching Bible studies is one of the greatest ways you can help somebody. We can give people money, we can give them food, we can give them shelter, but giving them a Bible study, now we should give them all those things. The Bible says that that's what you should do at the same time if, you, if you're able to help somebody in that way. But if that's all we ever do, it doesn't do them a whole lot of eternal good. And so we have to teach them a Bible study or witness to them or something like that at the same time. But to be a good Bible t- study teacher, you got to start somewhere. And so maybe go with somebody else. You don't just wake up one morning. You don't just get the Holy Ghost and all of a sudden you're the best Bible study teacher that ever lived. No, you've got to start somewhere. And so you go with somebody else that, that teaches Bible studies a lot or Another way is, is try to stay awake during Wednesday night Bible study, even though you're sitting at home on your couch. Sometimes it might be a little bit hard. I, I know, I was there Sunday, I was tired, but I stayed awake and I listened. And so there's a ways that you can learn from that. That's the way I learned to teach in Sunday school and, and Bible studies and that sort of stuff is when I first got in church, I went with Brother Lewis and we'd go teach Bible studies at places. We'd go to houses, we'd go to the college, wherever, and I'd listen to him teach and so I'd say, okay, I can't do it exactly like him. I'm not trying to be his duplicate, but there's things that he does that I want to do too and that they work. And so I want to duplicate those things that work. And so I learned there, and then I learned through, at that time it was Thursday night Bible studies. I learned how to listen to the pastor teach and I learned how to, okay, this is how you decipher the word of God. This is how you deliver the word of God. That's how I learned. And then from then you have to start practicing. Now, who in here has ever heard the saying, practice makes perfect? Practice doesn't make perfect. That's a lie. Practice makes you better. Practice doesn't make you perfect. I know everybody says practice likes to make you perfect, but Paul, where's my scripture at? I got to find it here. What was the very first thing Paul said? It says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He isn't there already. He isn't done yet. He's saying, I haven't made it. I'm not just going to kick back in my easy chair because I'm perfect. I'm not perfect yet, is what Paul is saying there. He said, I haven't apprehended it yet. So you have to keep practicing and practicing and practicing and trying to improve, whatever it is. So if it's a Bible study you want to teach, then you have to keep practicing. And so once you're good, let's say someday you've practiced and you've practiced, and now you're an excellent Bible study teacher. And you're just really good at helping people to understand what the Bible's about. And you're really good at delivering the Word of God, and people understand it. And somebody gets the revelation, and they get baptized, and they get the Holy Ghost, and they've done these things here, and then that was three years ago, and so you say, boy, I I taught that Bible study to that person three years ago, and boy, they got it. They got Holy Ghost. They got baptized. Things are good. I did my my duty. Okay, I'm, I'm done now. It doesn't work like that either. We can't live on that Bible study that you taught however many years ago that was a really good Bible study and that worked out fantastic. We can't live in that. There are more people that need the Holy Ghost. There are more people that need a Bible study. There's always, always room for improvement and to grow and and for growth. And so you can't worry about the future either and be afraid of failure and be like, well, what if the next person I try to teach a Bible study rejects it and they don't get the Holy Ghost? You you can't worry about that. It's a day-by-day thing. And every day you have to be an adapter and an overcomer. We are, Bible says, we are overcomers. And so with Bible studies now, it's gotten sometimes difficult since corona hit. People don't necessarily want somebody coming in their house every week. And they don't want somebody right there across the table from them. It makes some people really, really nervous when that happens. I know somebody that when it first happened, they just, they shut themselves away from the world, them and their family. And they just barely ever went out and they just would go out and do pickups. And they refused to get around other people for quite a while, and it wasn't really until the past few months that they finally started realizing that they can't live like that forever. So some people are really worried about that. So something I've learned how to do, I have not taught an in-home Bible study since before COVID began, and I don't say that boastfully. I I wish I could. I wish I found someone that did want a Bible study, but I haven't found anybody that wanted that Bible study. That door has not opened at this point in time, 
So I have learned the art of the 10 to 15 minute Bible study on the fly that you were not expecting. And sometimes you don't have time to get out the charts and to get out the study Bibles and to, to do this and do that. Sometimes you weren't expecting to teach a Bible study and just the topic of, of God or topic of church or the Holy Ghost, whatever the topic is, it may just pop up every now and then. I pray all the time that God just open a door to talk about the Bible, talk about God, talk about something related to church, just any door at all. And so when those doors open, sometimes you don't have time to get a Bible study chart out and all that stuff like I was saying before. You've got about 10 minutes to explain the Bible to them or explain whatever you're wanting to tell to them. And so that's where you have to memorize Scripture. Once again, you don't memorize the Scripture one day. You have to work on it day by day by day if you want to be really proficient in it and actually be able to quote that Scripture at the snap of your fingers. Now, for those of you that play instruments, how often did you practice to get to the point to where you are now? How often did you practice? Fairly often, I'm guessing. It, yeah, an hour a day is what Brother Ethan just told me. Every day he practiced every day. Now, there may have been a couple of days here and there that he didn't, but I guarantee you he practiced almost every day. If you're going to be good at an instrument, you've got to practice a lot. And it's the same thing with anything in life. If you want to be good at it, you've got to practice every day. And so... This is what I, I'm just giving you an example of what I do. And if this helps you, great. If it doesn't help you, I'm sorry. Just try to twist the story a little bit to where it does help you. But when I'm taking a shower, I know a lot of people like to sing in the shower. And if you like to sing in the shower, that's fine. You can practice your singing. But I like to teach myself Bible studies in the shower. And that, some people may think that's just weird. I don't know. But I've got about 10 to 15 minutes in there with nothing else going on. So I want to teach myself Bible study. And I tell myself scriptures and I tell myself Whatever it is, whatever I try to not tell myself the same thing every time. I don't want to teach myself the same Bible study. But I like to just think about things, think on the Word of God. And so that's what helps me to where when I meet somebody and they ask a question, I'm able to answer their question, usually. Not always. Sometimes I have to get out the Google. It happens. Get out the smartphone. But most of the time, I'm able to answer their question that way. And I'm not bragging. I've worked on that for 11 years, like I was saying earlier. That's something I've worked on a lot over the years. And so... I'm almost done. Brother, Brother Ethan, if you want to come to the music, play a little bit. We have to appreciate where we came from. That's good to appreciate where you came from, whether it was successes and great things that happened in your past or whether it was failures that you learned from. We learn more from failure than we do from success. And it's okay to appreciate those stepping stones that got you here. And it's great to know where you want to be. It's great to know what your ultimate goal is. Those are great things. But we have to appreciate where we are in the moment and how we, going, how we are going to get to our final goal one step at a time. So I have a little thing I want everybody to do, whether you're here in the sanctuary or whether you're at home. I want you to put your hand on your lap. Just put you, just one hand, both hands, I don't care. Put your hand on your lap. And now reach out in front of you like you're reaching for something. And hold your hand out there like you're reaching for something. Now, it seemed like it happened pretty fast, right? It probably took you less than a second to go from your lap to reaching out in front of you. But there are so many things that had to happen in sequence, in sequence before your hand went from your lap to in front of you. Every fraction of a millisecond, something different was happening. Your brain had to send a signal that says, okay, my lap is here, so my hand needs to be here, and, uh, and in front of me is out there, so my hand needs to end up out there and so now I've got to send the signal to this muscle that causes my arm to lift a little bit here. And I've got to send a signal to my shoulder to twist my arm out a little bit. And I've got to send a signal to my hand to form this shape. And I've got to send a signal to this muscle. And, I've, okay, now I see my hand is out in front of me. That's good. That's right where I want it. Okay, good. Stop. And so, so many things had to happen in a specific order. Your brain's sending all these synapses. It didn't just happen. At the, it didn't just ha Things don't just happen. There had to be a process for your hand to go from on your lap to reaching for something in front of you. And on top of that is we were all reaching in a slightly different way. I guarantee you, if you would have paid attention to even in amongst your house at home, I guarantee you those at your house were reaching in slightly different ways. I noticed everybody in here, some people had their hands open like they were receiving something coming down. Some people were reaching as if they were reaching for a glass of water. Some people had their hands flat upside down, that way they were like they were going to pick up a pen or something like that. Or maybe they were reaching for whatever. Everybody in here was reaching in a slightly different way. We're not clones of each other. 
And the way I do things, the way I do things is different from the way you do things. And the way you do things is different from the person beside you and the way they do things. Everybody has a different way of reaching for those goals and those things in front of them. Now we're switching back over to the spiritual. Everybody has different ways of reaching that ultimate goal of revival. That's a, that should be our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal, obviously, is make it to heaven. But our ultimate goal in the church here as a body of Christ is to add new members to the body of Christ. We want more people to get the Holy Ghost. We want more people to be saved. We don't want it to stop. And so we all have our own unique way of reaching. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. The Bible is made up of individual members. We're not clones. The body isn't all pinkies. That would be weird. I don't even know what that would look like or how that would work. But we're not all the same. Everybody in here has their own unique way. And I keep stressing that over and over again. I want to make sure that point goes home. That it's okay to do things in your way as long as it's the way of God. As long as it's the will of God. I don't want to say we just do things our own way. Whatever we want to do. Obviously keep this in context please. That it's in the will of God. But the way you teach a Bible study may be different than the way I teach a Bible study. The way you pray with somebody in the altar may be different from the way I pray with somebody in the altar. But going back. Going back again. There's a process to it. And it's a day-by-day thing. If you want to accomplish, your, if you want to perfect your way of reaching, whatever way you like to reach for things, whatever way you like to reach for people, you have to work on it day by day. You have to work on your soul day by day. And God, help me to draw closer to you, because if I can get closer to you, I can be better at winning other people to you. And so that has to be our, our, our ultimate goal. And we want to see souls saved, and we all want to make it to heaven. But we've got to remember that day by day by day thing. Every day is another opportunity to talk to somebody. And if that opportunity doesn't come up that day, as soon as the next day comes, that is the day that is an opportunity to talk to somebody about Christ. That is the day where you have an opportunity to get down and pray. We say we should pray every day. We should read our Bibles. We should talk to the Lord. It's an opportunity. It's not, we shouldn't think of it as something that we have to do. It should be think, thought of something that is an opportunity We have all these opportunities every day. You want to be good at an instrument? You have an opportunity every day to practice that instrument. Every day. And so we have to keep that in our mind. We've got to focus on today. Today, there's a great revival. Today, there's a great revival. And yeah, we want to see great revival in the future. But if we want to see great revival in the future, we've got to start working on that today. We can't say, oh, I want to see 100 souls come into the church this year. And then we just kick back and relax. And then the end of the year comes, and there wasn't one soul got in the church because all we did was kick back and relax. We've got to work every day to make sure that we see that. There is a great revival coming, church. I mean it. There's a great revival. And we say that over and over again. And sometimes it may seem like it's cliche, but it's not. There is a great revival coming if we will just be prepared day by day. I was, I was browsing the news the other day, and I don't like to read the news because there's just so much mumbo-jumbo out there, and half of it's depressing and half, half of it's aggravating. So you read the news too much, next thing you know, you're sad and angry. And so I try not to do that. But I like to look for tech articles and things that I find interesting. And there was an article there, something about Catholics. And, and I wasn't going to read it, but something's like, no, you read that, click that. And so I clicked on it, and I was reading it, and it was talking about how Latin America uh, Catholics are losing numbers like crazy, despite the fact that they have the first Latin American pope. And so they thought that when they, they, I don't know if they elect him or what, what they, I don't know how that whole procedure works, but when they got this pope and they made him the pope, he was from Latin America, they thought they would see a great resurgence in Catholicism in Latin America. And any, Central America, South America, all through there, and it says it's not happening. And in fact, Brazil, this, within this year, will probably, probably become minority Catholic for the first time since they were quote-unquote converted to Catholicism. This will be the first time in over 100 years that they will be a minority Catholic. And it says the reason why this is happening is because everybody is converting to conservative Pentecostalism. Everybody. And they said there's been over a million Brazilians in the last year and a half or so that have converted to Pentecostalism. And it, it made the point to call it conservative Pentecostalism. Pentecostalism. It wasn't just saying Pentecost because a lot of times we take that word Pentecostal and we put that on we don't, obviously, but the news will put that on any church that has a lively worship service. If you play a song that goes faster than a snail, then they call you a Pentecostal. But when you see the news or someone like that say conservative 
Pentecostal, you know they're talking about apostolic Pentecostals because they, they, they just put a distinction between the two. And they said conservative Pentecostals all through Central and South America are exploding in popularity. And the reason why is because the Catholic church all sh churches all shut down for COVID. And some, a lot of the Pentecostal churches had to, to some extent as well, but they started going house to house and they shrunk their congregations down and they split them up a little bit. That way they could hide under the radar a little bit. And so they didn't shut down. They didn't quit having church. They didn't quit having revival just because of coronavirus. That never stopped them. It didn't stop them back in 2020. It didn't stop them in 2021. It's not going to stop them in 2022. They're going to keep having revival. It doesn't matter if they're having revival in their house. It doesn't matter if they're having revival in a church with 20, 25 people. It doesn't matter where they're having revival. They're going to have revival. And there's people coming to church, and they're saying, I can be changed here. There was a woman saying, I used to be a prostitute, and I was on crack cocaine all the time. And I lived that life for five years, and I couldn't find deliverance as a Catholic. The Pope couldn't save me. My Cardinal couldn't save me. My, my priest couldn't save me. None of them could save me. I could make my confessions and nothing ever changed. And I was still a crackhead. And I was still a prostitute. She said, but I came to a little Pentecostal church. And I forget the name of the city. But she came to this little tiny Pentecostal church. And the pastor came up and shook her hand. And he didn't care that she looked like a prostitute. And he didn't care that she was on crack cocaine. And she was all wigged out. And you could tell she was on drugs. He didn't care about any of that. The people in the church, she said, were so friendly to her, and they loved her regardless of her past. They didn't care what was in her past because all they cared about was right now, right here in front of me, I've got, there's a woman right here that wants the Holy Ghost, that wants to be saved, that wants to be changed, and so I'm not going to worry about what her past was. I'm not going to worry about what's going to happen in the future with coronavirus. Right now, right here in front of me, there is revival at my doorstep. And she got the Holy Ghost, and she said right there in that article, she says, I left that old life behind. Just like Paul did. He left that old life behind. That woman left that old life behind. And I read that article, and it floored me. That was in the Wall Street Journal, a very liberal production. And it just floored me that they put this out there, and it just it, it encouraged me. And I was so excited. I sent it to but but unfortunately, there's a paywall, and you can't, you can't read the whole article unless you pay them $4 a month. But to me, the article was worth $4, I guess. It's just a really good article. I, I saved it. I, I love that, reading that story. It's just so encouraging to know that there is revival at our doorstep. And you say, well, that can't happen in America. That can happen in America. What's, just because the, the Rio Grande is not going to stop revival, just can't say that anything south of the Rio Grande can have revival and anything north can't. Don't, don't give me that. You can have revival anywhere in the world. If you're willing to say, okay, it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what sort of craziness is going to happen tomorrow with the government or with coronavirus, with the world, with whatever. It doesn't matter because today is the day of salvation. Today I am going to see revival. There are people out there that have a goal of being set free. That's what their goal is, is because they're bound by sin. They're bound by addictions. They're bound by all these things. And they have a goal in their heart, and they don't know how to get to that goal. They don't know how to go day by day. They're struggling day by day. They're committing suicide every day because they don't know how to get to that goal of being set free. And so it is our job to, to step in and do the day by day for them and help them to understand how to have a daily walk with God, how to receive the Holy Ghost, how to come to church, how to worship God. It is our responsibility to not worry about yesterday, not worry about tomorrow, but let's worry about today and let's see revival. Hallelujah. Let's all stand in this house. If you're at home, stand up. And I want you to just begin to praise the Lord and thank him because he has given you another day, another opportunity, Lord. I thank you, Jesus, that you gave me another day to worship you. I thank you, Jesus, that you gave me another day to win a lost soul to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you gave me another opportunity. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Let's just worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you want to take a moment and begin to pray to God and say, God, help me to make the most of every day. I don't want to waste a day, God. I want to make the most of every day. I want to see somebody saved, Lord. I want today to be able to witness to somebody, Lord. I don't care if I have to talk to him on the phone because I'm in quarantine. I want to see somebody. I will send him a text. Whatever it is, I've got to do something. I don't want to just sit here and say, well, I'm quarantined at home. I can't do nothing. Now, if you're really sick, I understand that. But if you're just in quarantine or if you're not in quarantine, don't make excuses. Find somebody and say, I want to see somebody saved today. And I know it's hard. Sometimes it's awkward to put yourself out there. I know because I'm a shy person. But sometimes you just got to say, you know, it doesn't matter what I am. It doesn't matter what my past was. It doesn't matter what my future is. I've got to see somebody saved today. I've got to see revival in my church today. I don't want to go on without seeing revival. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Let's all praise him. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's all talk to him right now. Oh, Lord, help us, God. 
Help us, Lord, to do your will day by day. In Jesus' name, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, wherever you're at, just begin to talk to God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's have a revival from the pulpit to the pew. Let's have a revival that starts with me and you that reaches out to lost and
revival's here. Let's ask God to open doors in Jesus' name, Lord God. Lord, help me to see somebody that needs you, Lord God. Lead me, oh God, to someone that wants you, Jesus. Direct our footsteps, oh God, I pray. Jesus, we're pressing towards that mark. God, we're looking for your return, Jesus. And I want to take somebody with me to heaven. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brother Manchi. That's a good word from the Lord. Amen, amen. I just have a quick announcement from Pastor Character. Amen. Uh, he said that there will be Saturday evening prayer. And these are his words. These are not my words. He says, if your quarantine is fulfilled, come to church. One request, that is, that if there is a residual cough, even if you're off quarantine, please uh, do everybody else a favor and wear a mask. Um, again, if you feel sickness and you haven't had COVID, please go get tested. Amen. At this point, this is my two cents, the masks. If your pastor asks you to wear a mask, it's not a government mandate anymore. It's a matter of obedience to the man of God. And there's a blessing in obedience. Amen. So, amen. I believe God will bless our, obe our obedience with revival. Amen. When we're, in, when we're in one mind and one accord, God does an awesome work. Amen. That's all that I have. Amen. If you're available on Saturday and you're part of Team 2, uh, it's Team 2's turn to clean. So after prayer Saturday, if you're there, stick around and help pick up. Amen. That's all that I have. And you're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.